From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 325. Today's show is brought to you by PDF Pam from Smile, Pingdom, and Uni Pizza Ovens. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Jason Snell. Hello, Jason Snell. Hi, Mike Hurley. We, uh, we, we're three for three in our, in our weird mm-hmm. new world of monthly Apple events. Probably the December. last one. No, probably the last one, right? It's got a, I reckon we'll have one within the next three or four months, but I don't think yeah. it's going to be until 2021. No, there, there was a subtle sort of like... I, I appreciated that Tim Cook came out right at the beginning of this event and was like, wow, hard to believe this is our third event in two months, and I'm sitting here thinking it's not hard to believe, Tim. We've been living it. But yeah, I think that there, there's some implication there that it's going to be a little bit. I actually have a snow talk question of you of my own doing, as I like to do on these events, because I need something that's timely, I feel. Uh, we opened this presentation today with Tim Cook in Cafe Mac. So that's like Apple's employee cafe with those incredibly large doors, those massive glass doors. What yep. do you think Tim Cook had for breakfast before the presentation began today? I, I don't think he had anything, because clearly the entire place has been cleaned out. And <laughs> yeah. nobody, nobody was there, so they didn't did make any food. I think to myself, is that a day where they're just like, all right, no one can get lunch today, Tim, Tim's shooting I, in here. <laughs> I don't know who's at at uh, Apple Park right now and mm. what the food situation is and how they handle that in terms of keeping safe and all of that. Is it little box lunches that you go get or whatever? But it was a, it was immaculate, like... Like nobody had ever been in in that spot before. Just Tim. That's Tim's personal. He has hundreds of chairs to choose from. All right, we have obviously so much to get to today. Uh, let's but let's start with a couple of notes, programming notes. Really, um, this has been an interesting week, and in not only did we have an Apple <laughs> event today, iPhone. Mini and Max reviews dropped yesterday, and they're yes. available for everybody to buy on Friday. You yes. have both the uh, 12 Mini and the 12 Pro Max, don't you? I do. Yeah, actually, I think I saw you published a little note about them on Six Colors. I've been taking pictures of them and stuff, yeah. I'm sure you're working on a review of, of some <laughs> kind, maybe, or at least some kind of article about them. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, amid all the other things that are going on, sure, yeah. Work, I'm working on it in the sense that I have been using the phones and then all this other stuff happened. So we'll see. But yeah, sure. Yeah. And At my, some point. I, I, I was able to order the phone that I wanted and it's coming on Friday, which is the Gold Pro Max, which I know is what you have, actually. I have and I have it in my hands right now and you're going to love it. Yeah. You've said that to me and also call it out in the little article that you wrote, which makes me very excited. Mm-hmm. Um so, but because of, we have so much to talk about today, uh, we're just going to both give our full impressions slash review of these uh, the devices that we have next week. Um, so on next week's episode, that's when we're going to talk about that. Because then I will have had time as well. You know, usually the way that we do this stuff is one week I'll ask you and then the next week I'll follow up with my impressions, but we're just going to do them all next week uh, instead, yes. right? Uh, which will actually be a part of a bumper episode mm-hmm. uh, because we're very excited that next week we're going to be welcoming back friends of the show, Tim Millay and Tom Boga from Apple to talk about the M1. So you may remember a few weeks ago we had uh, Tim and Tom on to talk about the A14 and looking forward to what we were calling Apple Silicon. Uh, but we're going to be bringing them back to the show again uh, next week, and we're going to be talking about the new M1 chips. Um, we are recording this in advance, 
So uh, we don't have a ton of notice, but we if you have questions that you would like us to ask, uh, please send those in with the hashtag AskUpgrade, and we may be able to pick a few to ask uh, Tim and Tom. Um, if you're related to either of them, feel free to send any sure, questions. Sure, that's right. Well. Any surprise sibling questions, throw yeah. those in the mix. But just do it just do it quickly because we have to pre-tape that. Mm-hmm. So uh, as you hear this, if you have any thoughts, immediately yep. send them to hashtag AskUpgrade and we'll, uh, we'll use them if we can. All right, let's talk about the draft. Okay, what, what do you want to know? What do you mean, what do I want to know? Like you forget <laughs> how these things go every time. Uh, so I don't. you won. You won they the seem draft. To go the same every time. Yeah, you won the draft again. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I did have this feeling today, though, where because sometimes, sometimes I'm like, "Gosh darn it, can't I win just one of them?" You know, I have that feeling every now and then. But sure. I looked at the scores, and we're so close. I know that, like, you know, you beat me five four today. We can go through them a little bit, maybe. But I sure. kind of, I felt a little less bad about the fact that typically these competitions are pretty close, and you tend to yeah. win by one or two points. So it's mm-hmm. like, all right, it's not like um, it's five zero every time. You know, <laughs> I'm getting close. Yeah, you're o- you're over twenty twenty though, right? Uh, yeah, zero for twenty twenty. You have four for twenty twenty. We all okay. know this, Jason. You don't need me to say it, but just I checking. think you want me to say it, so I've said it. Congratulations. But they were all close. They were all close. They were all close. Um, yeah, the big the big ones. So, yeah, we, we scored at 5-4. Um, I got the tiebreaker, but it didn't matter because it was a short. It was a 45-minute presentation. Mm-hmm. The the big ones, um, I missed on the A14X because we ended up getting the, the M1. We'll talk about that. Yeah, that's And then I threw, I threw in uh, Greg Joswiak and over-the-ear headphones. Um, and then you lost out on a demo of iOS app, apps on the Mac. It was more like an image that they exist. And then goodbye. When this and, happened, uh, I was annoyed yeah. at myself. And the reason mm-hmm. I was annoyed at myself is they have not done any demos in any of these events. Like looking back at it, like previously it was like, well, surely they're going to. They had the game studio guys for the iPhone, right? So they did have that. That was a yeah. that was a moment where you could go get yourself another drink while they did those demos. But they didn't do that on this one. I thought you had a good chance of getting that, that they would actually yeah. show that uh, experience. They didn't. So we still you know, only know sort of vaguely. It's going to be one of the things that's very interesting when people can first start reporting about what these machines are like. One of the things is really going to be, what is it? like to use an ios app on the mac supposedly it's very mac like but you know we haven't really seen it in a huge amount of detail anyway you also said the return of the macbook which didn't happen yeah i knew Um, i was gonna lose this draft on tuesday because mark Gurman published a report right and he named the machines mostly that were going to appear and the macbook was not one of them and that was when i knew i was losing the draft he didn't mention the mac mini no, so we could have picked a Mac Mini, and that would have been a heck of a pick, but that didn't happen. And then you mentioned Apple Tags and uh, new AirPods, and it was a Mac-only event. So, mm-hmm. so five four, I'll take it. I'll take the win. I thought that uh, I, I I honestly thought that you were going to get this one, but it didn't happen. So we'll lose we'll, gracefully. We'll move. We'll move on to twenty twenty one. Yeah, I wonder how many there will be in twenty twenty one. I don't know. But yeah, I would say overall, uh, you know it. It was a good. I've actually really enjoyed doing as many drafts as we have been doing. I think that's actually been pretty fun. Um, but yeah, I think that I think we did, we did pretty well, right? Like we both did pretty well on the Mac stuff. Uh, it was on non Mac picks because there was no non Mac. Yeah. It was mandatory. Yeah, and and the ones we got right were literally just a person will appear, and yeah. you know, I took 
Craig for for uh, Big Sur, and you took Johnny Srooji for the chips, and we got those. So, yeah. Just as a couple of, like, meta things. Um, this event ran fast, uh, again, uh, faster, even, right? It, was, it, was, it wasn't much of an event in time. Um, it's about 45 minutes. But I didn't feel completely overwhelmed or confused uh, in the same way that I did with the iPhone event. Um, right. Even though, again, there was still a lot of data, a lot of numbers, uh, but this one felt much easier to digest. Um, again, it's like, it looks fantastic. I'm sure you really loved the, like, when they were going through the, uh, like, what looked like some kind of, I guess, like, magical elevator where they had all the six-color hallways. Yes. When they were going down to the chip lab. And they obviously spent the vast majority of the presentation, I think, in the chip lab or in front of that screen in um, Steve Jobs' theater. That was kind of the the, was, the whole kind of thing. But there, yeah, it was there were some lengthy game. transitions, right? Like yes. the the one that got me was where they they uh like showed Tim far away, and like a, a crane or a drone flies all the way up to get to Tim. That was and then he though. just turns, and he's at the place where we see him before. But there are a couple of those things. They're they're experimenting and 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 getting more comfortable showing off who knew that when they spent those billions of dollars for apple park for the campus that the number one thing that uh they would use it for would be as a set for their video apple events they're pretty lucky that they do have such a beautiful campus right they are and they're you know showing it off but yeah it's true because they can it is essentially a set of its own right like it's not just a building you know like infinite loop was fine, but like it didn't, it would not have looked the same uh, if they would have had to have shot everything at the old campus. Like the the Apple Park campus really does lend itself to these very beautiful uh, landscape shots that they do. Yep. All right, let's gorgeous. take our first break, Jason, and we can we can start talking about the M1 chip itself. Okay. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Uni Pizza Ovens. Uni is the world's number one pizza oven company. They make surprisingly small ovens that are powered by your choice of either wood, charcoal, or gas, letting you make restaurant-quality pizza in your own backyard. Uni Pizza Ovens are incredibly easy to use, and they're super portable. They fit into any outside space. Uni Pizza Ovens can reach temperatures of up to 900 degrees Fahrenheit or 500 degrees Celsius, which enables you to cook restaurant-quality pizza in as little as 60 seconds. It's that high temperature that separates these pizzas from those that you make in a home oven. One of their most popular models is the Unicoda 16. This is a gas-powered oven that can cook up to 16-inch pieces and has an innovative L-shaped burner at the back that gives you even heat distribution throughout. Uni's pizza ovens start at just $249 and they have free shipping to the US, the UK and the EU with two of the coolest models being the multi-fueled Unicaru which can use wood, charcoal or gas or the Coda 16. Uni also make a great app that can help you perfect your dough recipe and give you loads of pizza making tips. Jason Snell, I know that you are a big pizza fan and a big fan of the Uni. Yeah, it's really nice. Um, you got to get it. I, I have lots of tips too because you okay. you do you need so the base of it is like a pizza stone. So you got to let it run. And I have the um, these are the things I've learned. I have the the Coda. So I have the gas model. Yep. So it uses a propane tank like you'd use for a gas grill. And you need to heat that thing up because you want it to be. You want the uh, the the base of it, which is like a pizza stone, to be very 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 hot. That's the whole point of it. And then you should be able to cook it and have the uh, toppings. 
uh, cook and the cheese melt. And also you want the heat coming up from the bottom to make sure that the, the, the dough you know, transforms and is, and is cooked through. And, and for that, you want it to be as hot as possible. So for me, the key lesson was patience. I need to be patient to let it warm up so that I could do it. And I'm still experimenting with pizza doughs and things like that, but it's a lot of fun to do. And you're right. It is surprisingly small. I've just got it tucked away right now, stored away, and I can haul it out when I need to make pizza again. Listeners, this show can get 10% off their purchase of an Uni pizza oven, which is up to $50 off the code of 16. Just go to uni.com and use the code UPGRADE at checkout. Uni also make a great range of accessories from peels to cutters to oven tables. They're going to have everything that you need to become a pizza chef at home. Uni could be a wonderful holiday gift for someone special in your life. It's also, I think, a really great gift to some for somebody that lives with you because then you get to eat the pizza. Uh, Uni yeah. have let us know, though, that if you want one of these or Order as early as you can, because even though they are running in overdrive right now, they are expecting to sell out before the holidays. So act fast, and maybe there'll be some uh, a holiday pizza for you this year. Uni pizza ovens are the best way to bring restaurant-quality pizza to your own backyard. Go to uni.com, that's O-O-N-I.com, and use the code UPGRADE for 10% off. Our thanks to Uni Pizza Ovens for their support of this show and Relay FM. M1 Chip. I want to just say before we get into anything that's amazing mm. about this, uh, I will say this portion of the presentation absolutely blew my brain off. Like I was, I was flabbergasted by it. Um, but I am so happy that I no longer have to say Apple Silicon Max. Yeah, I don't need to do it yeah. anymore. It's the I mean, M1. My, it. My initial thought was when they said Apple Silicon in at WWDC that there was going to be a brand name that came that they wouldn't just leave it like that. Mm -hmm. But it was a real debate. And I actually picked that they were going to use an A14 um, in our draft because I just sort of had given up hope that they would do something different. I I definitely suggested using the M name. I think I suggested they just call it the M14. But and, and I heard from a lot of people who said they can't use M because they used it for the motion coprocessor. And I guess what I would say is, if Apple wants to use it again, they just will, and they don't care. So M1 it is, and uh, the motion co coprocessor fades into oblivion because that's the Mac chip now, M1. Mm -hmm. uh, start from the start. There's no parity with with the A14. It's just the M1. And uh, it's good because we can talk about the M1, and presumably in the long run we can talk about the M series yeah. chips, which but, uh, is a, point, a better way to do it probably once we get to m2 m3 or whatever we won't need to refer to it anymore because intel won't be around anymore so we won't talk about these chips in the way that we have been for the last few months of oh when it's apple silicon when it's intel like that's gonna fade away but i just like that there is a brand for it which is more than calling this Apple Silicon Max, Apple Silicon, M1 yeah. Max. And I like yeah. as well, because you know, it became obvious to us, I think we spotted this in the, the last presentation, that Apple started referring to Apple Silicon in the Apple Watch, for example, right? Which is not a phrase that they had used before. It was just their own chip or their own custom silicon, but they started calling it Apple Silicon. So that's clearly going to be the overall name for their ships sure. right and then they're going to start breaking it down something i want to mention about the about the m1 and like is it an a14x is it something like that there are a few things that that uh the developer transition kit which was an a12z mac mini couldn't do right there were certain things involving virtualization 
and involving um what was it there was there was different like um like thunderbolt there was no thunderbolt where there is on this um so the question is if this if the M1 is kind of the A14 and X and I think it could be very similar I think that they probably won't but it's even possible that they might use the M1 follow me here in the iPad Pro no, oh, Jason, don't do this. Like <laughs> that would be really weird. They probably won't, but they could, um, because you know. But there are some differences. So, so whether there is a a third variation or or not, there are things that you they had to do for these models that that the existing A12Z that was in the developer kit didn't do. So it is appreciably different in that way. I don't think it's yeah. it's fair to say it's just an A14X because the A12X couldn't do a bunch of things. It doesn't necessarily mean that the M1 isn't also basically an A14X that will be used in other things. Uh, We'll have to wait for those people who take chips off of motherboards and sand them down and x-ray them Mm -hmm. and do all of those things to find out. But uh, in the meantime, you know, it is the M1. At least we know that. I think there's a couple of important things about this, which is one, Apple isn't saying that, right? Like, so, like, you know, the, the marketing message, at least, is this is its own series of chips, right? Like, yes. they, that's where they started. They were quite clear about that. And I think, for me, it's like, what this isn't is what we thought it was going to be, right? And what we thought it was going to be is this is the A14T or the A14M or whatever. It's yeah. not that, right? And with my layman's view on this, these chips are all made by the same company. So yes, they share a similar foundation, but we're not going to start saying that the chips that are in the Apple Watch are like the chips that are in the iPhone. They're just not, right? Or It's well, like how, right. you know, tvOS right. oh, is technically iOS, but we don't think of it that way. Right. I mean, like, that, that said, these these cores are essentially the same cores that are in the A14, right? Like they're, they're not mm-hmm. that different, but they are building up from there to a different product. And yes. we'll find out. I, again, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that they're going to, if there's an A14X and the M1 and people compare them, they discover that they are almost exactly the same. That wouldn't surprise me, right? They're all, they're all in the same family, I think, the M1 and the A14. Uh, they're all part of the five nanometer process from Taiwan Semiconductor, like... They're all in the family. One of the things I really like about unhitching the Mac chip from the A series is it allows for growth in the Mac side that is not necessarily in parallel. Oh, and vice versa. Yeah. Well, yeah, and vice versa. Right. That you don't have to have A14 and and A14X or A15, A15X like year over year. Right. You can iterate them at different frequencies which is important especially now when they're when you're rolling out new models for the mac you may be iterating a bit more but i do think that there will still be some kremlinology because it's apple there always is kremlinology but the you know where we're like is it an a14 is that an m1 what is the m2 map to is that a15 is that a16 watch the signs look look to the skies people right i don't know i was i started as batman and i ended up as fox Mulder there but you you know we're we're still gonna do that right but it does allow apple to have a little bit of freedom to say you know this is the m1 right like it's not it does is it related to the a14 well i mean it's apple silicon but we're not gonna tie it that closely and that's uh i think that's a good thing 
we were very aware that no matter what they did, the chips that they were going to produce were going to have some very impressive specs. We knew that, right? Because we knew that if they took an iPhone and hid it inside of a Mac, it would go great. It would be great, right? Like we knew that. So the the things that they have given us, the information they've given us, whilst for me, I still expected it, I am still really surprised at some of what these, the capabilities of these ships. So there was a lot of, comparisons to PCs, but also comparisons yes. to other Macs as well, which I appreciated. Right. Um, so like, you know, it's lots of like three times, four times, five times, best in class. And we'll, we'll go into some of those a little bit more when we talk mm-hmm. about the computers but themselves. But one of my very favorite things is, you know, it's got that eight core design. So it's four high efficiency, uh, high four high performance, right? We've seen this this yep. kind of like split for a while. Yeah, this is the literally the iPad mm-hmm. Pro model here, which is eight cores, four performance cores, four efficiency cores. Yep. But the stat that really I I couldn't believe was that like the the four high efficiency cores, so the the less powerful cores, the ones that are working on battery life and energy performance. They have similar performance, those four, to the current dual core MacBook Air. Yeah. I, I, so it's like, oh, so there's a lot of headroom in this machine then, right. huh? That right. was so if amazing. You take, if you take the fast ones away, and, and again, you know, Apple would tell you these aren't the slow ones, right? These are, these are more efficient ones. But the more efficient cores on their own, those four, will get you performance equivalent to the, I'll grant you, two core existing macbook air but of Mm -hmm. course the macbook air doesn't come with just the four efficiency cores it comes with them plus the four performance cores and there's a lot of i mean we've been doing we'll talk about the models more in a little bit but we've been talking about there was there was that one chart there was the saddest of there are lots of charts in this first Mm -hmm. off lots of charts if you like charts this was the presentation for you but there was the super sad chart that was let's look at how Mac models have have gotten faster over time recently. Which again, they they didn't they didn't mention Intel, except um, I think our friend Stephen Hackett thing. said that in the Universal Apps yep. thing they mentioned Intel, but they they almost didn't mention Intel. But here is they they talk about PC performance a lot, but like they did that chart, the super sad chart that's literally like, look, the Mac got slightly faster year over year, and then you know here we went to Apple Silicon two and a half times as fast Mm -hmm. as the old model. And like, when was the last time Apple released a model that updated a previous model released within the last couple of years and it was more than double the speed? Like, that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And this is what we were saying all along about how Apple isn't going to make the move to Apple Silicon unless it can go across the board and say, look how much better our own processors are. And to say the MacBook Air that was sold last week is... Um, you know, this much slower. It's less than fifty percent the the speed. I know. I, okay, two point five faster. The new one is like that is much more than we've seen in the kind of slow march of performance improvements that um the Mac has seen under Intel, it, and then, yep. and a little bit more like you know the pace of some of Apple's progress um by five years ago ish with their own chips, but like by making that jump you're going to more than double performance that's uh that's pretty spectacular is this a bigger performance jump from powerpc to intel like in in numbers 
I would have to go back. I, I think it's in the ballpark. I think right. this is a little bit more than that. I think my memory of the Intel stuff is that it was sort of around 2x, and they're claiming, you know, sort of two and a half here. But well, um, it's more than that. I mean, it's, it's two and a half well, um, just on this. But when we start getting the to air. the actual computers, I think they're yeah, all around also, three to five. Times there's also faster. three, four, five. Yeah, yep. it, it's true. It's true. Yeah, no, it's a big, it's a big jump, and that's what that's why they're doing it, right? That's why they want to go out there and and do it this way and and boast about their like they had that whole thing about how the the core in the M1, like a processor core, mm-hmm. performance core, is the world's fastest. CPU core. I thought that was a funny little detail for them yeah. to throw out there. Yeah, I found that right? interesting. I'm, I'm going to be intrigued to see um, coverage from more PC led right outlets to see what isn't that good. Right, I want to see what that means. Fascinating. I really like Linus Tech Tips. It's a YouTube channel that I've really gotten into um, over the last year or so ago because it's a whole other world of technology that I enjoy. And this is their bread and butter, right? Speeds and feeds. And I'm really intrigued to see what they make of this and what the the benchmarks and stuff that they do on these machines when they get them. Um, and I want you know I, I want to see that kind of uh, coverage from a market that is more focused on what these CPUs are actually doing than we are, right? Right. You know, like we have a base idea of what's out there, but we don't really know it in depth. So, like, I'm 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 intrigued to see for there. But I mean, I don't believe that Apple is lying, but I'm I want to see what that no. means, right? In, Apple in- frames things in interesting ways right like they framed faster than the best best selling computer in the class yes. which i always thought was hilarious because th- that's not faster than the fastest or faster than 98 percent. well that two yes. percent uh could be a and, lot of machines and and, and, right. and it's and it's it's 90 percent of pcs sold which means that the impression i get anyway unless they want to uh, tell me otherwise is that they're using market size as a part of that so you know if it's not 98% of all the PC models. It's 98% of the PCs that were sold are models that are slower, which is, again, Apple's job here is to make them look as impressive as possible. And then it's our job mm-hmm. to look at that and go, what does that really mean? What's the actual, like, in phrase, in, in, in framing it in a way that we care about? Yeah. How does that work as opposed to the way that they do it? Because obviously they're going to pick the ways that they look best and they're going to use those. So we're going to have to see about that. But it's still, you know... They're not making these claims without good reason. We'll just have to see what you know what the details are when we get our hands on them. And, and you're right, though the PC seeing how PC people or people who who view the uh, PC industry as a whole, we're going back to the pre Intel Mac days where it's a different chip architecture and it starts to look different. And how do they judge it? And what are they looking for? Because Macs and PCs are diverging again. Um, and and so how are they going to read? what Apple is doing now that it's not doing it on Intel. Be That'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, there are a bunch of other features that the M1 chip has. Of course, there's a big focus on the machine learning performance. This really isn't something that I feel like I can quantify for myself. Uh, like, I appreciate that Apple say they get better at it, and I know that more and more of computing is being powered by this type of stuff. But it doesn't mean the same to me as when you tell me CPU, GPU stuff like that. I can, you know, like I can get my head around that. I know what that means. Um, but the the machine learning stuff, you know, it, it, it's not so much. The integrated graphics, 
are quite an incredible thing. It's eight cores. Um, it's the most powerful Apple's ever made. They call it a class of its own, and it's right. the fastest integrated graphics you can get. Uh, is what they're saying. And there's a bunch of stuff there about the uh, the shared memory, and and which is quite complicated, but seems kind of interesting uh, about the ways. What do they call it? Unified memory. Is that what it's called? Unified memory. Uh, and apparently that can really help with the with the graphics performance as well. Right. We no longer, with these systems, they don't have video RAM and mm-hmm. then processor RAM. There's just memory that's shared and it's an integrated system. The whole thing is integrated and Apple, you know, built their own GPUs and they're pretty proud of them. So yeah. that'll be, and it's important. We're going to get into the details here in a little bit, but like, it's also important to remember, this is the first drop of systems using Apple Silicon. These are the first M1 Macs and the first Apple Silicon Macs. They fill very particular niches in the Mac product line and not others. And I think it's instructive to realize what Apple picked for the first go and what they didn't pick. And there are going to be people who have some hot takes when what they're going to say is, well, but what about this? But what about that? What, Mm -hmm. What about this? It doesn't do this. It doesn't do that. And the answer is... Well, you know, they only replaced three models and they didn't even really replace them entirely. So like it's not it's the lowest end MacBook Pro, the low end laptop and the Mac mini. So, you know, there's more of a story here about things like graphics, right, that they didn't replace the higher end systems. Presumably that's something for 2021, but it's not step one. That's step two or step three along this process of uh, of having the whole product line get overhauled and turn into M series processors. Well, on that note, so these machines support USB four. They have USB four ports and USB four ports. This is very confusing. Uh, It's a USB C shaped connector, but USB four has capabilities for Thunderbolt. (laughs) It's now gone the other way around. (laughs) Yeah. It's like Thunderbolt and USB 4, Thunderbolt is sort of USB 4. Yes. USB 4 encompasses Thunderbolt. And, th- you know, th- this is the the future because everybody's so frustrated about USB-C and Thunderbolt. And some stuff works on Thunderbolt, but not USB-C, even though they, sh- they share a connector with Thunderbolt 3. The idea here is the next generation of devices, and this is it right here is using this unified Thunderbolt is USB 4. Thunderbolt is the... The Thunderbolt spec is, I believe, the basis of USB 4. And the idea is if you have something that's Thunderbolt slash USB 4, it's going to work with USB peripherals and with Thunderbolt peripherals. It'll work with all of them. So this mess of like, is this USB-C or is this Thunderbolt? How do I need to work? Like, that's going to go away when we move to USB 4. And that's what we have here. Every machine that Apple has for sale... Uh, with an M1 chip in it, has just two ports. There are two oh, ports. That's not true. That's Is not that... true. The Mac Mini has two USB-A ports in addition. Sorry, I, I meant two USB-4 ports. Right, so, right. So, right. Yeah. And my understanding is that there, uh, the the M1 has two Thunderbolt controllers yes. in it, integrated into it. It, mm-hmm. it just it comes with two Thunderbolt controllers. Um, and each one can control one port. And then those ports can do things like drive, you know, that uh, the Apple uh, studio display XDR and, you know, other, other ridiculous stuff that you can do over, over those two ports. So for there to be more, right. So if we're going to go to a four port uh, model, like the 13 and 16 inch or the IMAX or whatever, 
it would appear that they could not be M1 powered. It would pe- it would appear there would need to be a different chip variation as far as I can tell, which mm-hmm. is probably why the two-port 13-inch MacBook Pro is what got replaced. Yes. And the USB-A's on the Mac Mini, there's probably some, you know, PCIe bridge or something that goes out to give USB-A, like mm-hmm. to toss those in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the but yeah, the two Thunderbolt controllers that are embedded in the M1 are the ones that are controlling those two ports. And that's why you're seeing the family resemblance where all three of these machines have those two Thunderbolt ports. Uh, Secure Enclave is now a part of the M1, so there's no longer the need for a separate T1, T2 chip. Um, This is, again, like the iOS, iPadOS devices, uh, all of that stuff is now dealt with in the system on a chip itself. Um, And one thing I found interesting is that uh, during Craig's portion, he was talking about instant wake from sleep so that these machines will wake instantly. And I was reminded that that was one of the big things about the MacBook Air, right? Was that uh, Steve Jobs, is that true? Steve Jobs, as so the story goes, uh, turned on an iPad and was like, why point it to a Mac? I was like, why can't this do that? Yeah. Um, and, you know, they got much better at it. But I'm intrigued. How much more instant is this instant wake from sleep? I, I want to yeah. see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly my feeling is... Didn't we already get this? Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, look, you, you turn on and it wakes, it wakes right up. I, with the, I think when they introduced the MacBook, right? They're like, oh, look, from the people who brought you the iPad, and it wakes up instantly and all that. But didn't it didn't really, right? It, like the screen came on, and then you sort of waited as everything kind of shook its head and rubbed the sleep out of its eyes, and finally it was ready for you to use it. And, you know, they've made a new claim of instant wake from sleep with... Uh, Craig Federighi getting down and on one knee and listening to some Barry White and then waking up the laptop, right? So we'll see. But um, that would be great if that was one of the things that they really focused on in uh, Big Sur on M1 Max was, you know, getting it to be more or less an instant wake. Because, you know, when you wake up your iPad, you don't sit there and wait for everything to refresh generally, right? It just mm-hmm. is back awake and you continue to use it. Uh, before we get into the Macs themselves, Apple did do a recap of Big Sur. Uh, they, I like that they started using the line, which I expect they're going to use all the time now when it comes to the Mac, is this idea that Apple's had for years of the hardware and software working all together, where this is like completely true with the Mac now because they build the chips now. So they're not just taking advantage of what they can from what Intel have. They can really build with features in mind on both sides, which I think is great. Um, Big Sur is available on Thursday. Yay. So not 24 hours notice this time. but <laughs> 48 um, hours, developers. <laughs> but I think it was tail end of last week, Apple started uh, taking submissions um, for yeah. Big Sur anyway. So that was yeah, a it's a very different, very different scenario. And they've all obviously had their developer transition kits this summer in order to work on things. And so I think that'll be a much more orderly kind of kind of thing going on. But Thursday is the day for Big Sur. And one of the things that I found really interesting is when they were talking about Rosetta 2, which is the uh, the ability, which is the function that will allow for applications that are not compiled to run on M1 that are previously Intel applications uh, to be able to be. I don't want to say emulated, but you know what I mean when I say that, right? Translated is what yeah. the code translation. It sounds like what they do is when you launch them or when you download them from the Mac App Store. They and we learned this at WWDC. They run Rosetta runs on them, I think, via Gatekeeper, and basically first launch 
or before, it runs this translation process where it's looking at the code and trying to build like the translation version of it. And then it runs that. And so I think there's an initial hit that they don't want you to take, which is why it happens on download from the Mac App Store. And then that runs. So it's not quite emulation where they're running an Intel binary and every command gets translated and, and, you know, and they're running it on a virtual Intel chip. Instead, it's this sort of other thing where it's, you could, my understanding is you could almost think of it as like a cached version. Like they're trying to cache as many of the commands as possible so that they can run them most efficiently. But anyway, it's, it's Rosetta 2.0. We'll have to see how it goes. Um, I'm looking forward to finding it out because this is, again, one of those things where Apple's just going to say, oh, yeah, it's great. And then we all have to determine for ourselves yep. if it's great or not. But but as with, funny, as with the last two chip transitions on the Mac, um, there are these quirks about how your app is built. So like they said in this presentation, if an app is built using Metal, Apple's graphics frameworks, the frameworks will be native. So you could have an app that's not native, an app that is an Intel app, but uh, if it's a game and it's using Metal, it's calling on these frameworks. The frameworks are native, and that's why they said there, there'll be some non-native games that are have higher frame rates on M1 because you know they're really not you know they're, all the graphic stuff is running natively because mm-hmm. the the graphic stuff isn't Intel it's metal it's using Apple's frameworks any framework that you call that is native is native so that's a that's a good thing for yeah. them which is the opposite of what it was in the PowerPC transition from uh 68,000 68, class ones where they're like there were whole parts of Apple's frameworks that weren't native <laughs> and so you could have native code that ran slow yeah. <laughs> this is the this is better this is better so we'll but we'll have to see the details right and all of us are going to have different apps that mm-hmm. we're going to be like oh man this is the app I love and it's and it, it isn't out for for Apple Silicon yet and what happens then and is it good or is it bad um, you know Apple isn't going to talk about that because mm-hmm. Apple just wants everybody to be happy. So yeah, I mean, because like more than just job. game stuff, they're saying that because Apple Silicon, the M1 chips are so much faster than the chips they're replacing, a lot of applications will perform better in Rosetta because the chip is so much faster. So right. that is, um, that's going to be a very different story to the original Rosetta, which was great, but you knew. Right. Like you opened Word yeah. and you knew, right? It, it, it varied. I I would say, and this is something that Apple, I think, actually uh, hinted at today, which is if you're upgrading from a system that's three years old or like our friend Dan Morin, right? Dan has had a MacBook Air non-retina that's been kicking around for a long time. And he's really wanted to buy a new one. But first it was the bad keyboard on the retina MacBook Air. He wanted to wait. Then they got the good keyboard, but there were the rumors about Apple Silicon and uh, and the pandemic. And he's like, I'll, I'll wait. And today he bought a MacBook Air, right? Not to steal Dan's thunder. Dan's not on this podcast, so I'm going to do it. Uh, he bought a MacBook Air. That's great. Well, for him, <laughs> Rosetta 2 apps are going to run faster than on his MacBook Air, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's an old MacBook Air. It's a little bit different if you're coming from a one-year-old Mac than if you're coming from a four-year-old Mac or a five-year-old Mac. So so it's all in your perspective, um, but we'll see. We'll see how it compares. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Pingdom. Do you have a website? 
does your website have a shopping cart, registration form, or contact us page? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you need Pingdom because nobody wants their critical website transactions to fail. You don't want someone to come to your website and they try and log in and it breaks. This is a bad experience for your users and it's not what you want your users to be experiencing. The good news is you can set up transaction monitoring with Pingdom. This will alert you when cart checkouts, forms, login pages and the like fail before they affect your customers and your business, which is great. You don't want to know when it's happened. You want to know before it happens to people so you can fix it. And Pingdom will alert you any way that you want, the moment that any of these problems are detected, in whatever way is best for you. You can even customize how and who is alerted. So what methods you want the alert to come through and who in your team you want it to go to, depending on how severe the outage is, so you can have the right person working on it at that time, which is fantastic. Pingdom cares about your users having the best and smoothest site experience possible. So if disaster strikes, they want you to be the first to know. It's so easy to get started. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM and you'll get a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. When you sign up, use the code UPGRADE at checkout and you will get a huge 30% of your first invoice. We use Pingdom here at RelayFM. It really is fantastic. Like We can have it notify us in a bunch of different ways and we really always if there's a problem on our website the first way we find out is pingdom and most of the time we can get in and fix it before people are noticing really great go to pingdom.com slash relay fm right now to get that 14 day free trial and use the code upgrade at checkout and you'll get a huge 30 percent of your first invoice our thanks to pingdom from solar winds for their support of this show and relay fm so there were three macintoshes um today <laughs> which was a big yes. surprise um, they, you know, on the whole, they look the same. Um, uh, I think that you noted in our document, I think you said it to me too. It's just, it's just what they did with Intel as well. It started yes. with, here is a bunch of Macs. You know what these things all look like, but they're all different on the inside. Yeah. Like literally, I think, unless you've got the, um, serial number memorized, if you look, if you, if I laid down two MacBook Airs, two, uh, two MacBook Airs, an M1 MacBook Air and the previous Retina MacBook Air, on Intel and you could, all you could do was look at them and like even pick them up and, and look at them. No difference. Mm -hmm. They are literally the same. And the same is true of the 13 inch two port MacBook pro. Mm -hmm. They are no different. Funny difference with the Mac mini though. It's silver. (laughs) Did you know that? Yeah. Yeah. The there's in fact, here's a funny thing. Already a conspiracy theory that this opens up the possibility of a uh, more powerful Mac Mini with the next generation of chips. just a small professional Macintosh. Maybe. Maybe. But yeah, the Mac Mini, we'll get to it. There's some, I, I think there are a lot of questions about what they did with the Mac Mini that are... It's. Uh, it feels like this has happened to the Mac Mini before, where Apple sort of come in with a new version that makes some people go, well, wait a second, <laughs> that's not as good in some ways as the old version was. But uh, we should probably start with the laptops because those are, those are most interesting. Or in fact, we should probably start with um, what these all have in common. We've been speculating uh, on this show for a couple of years now about the potential future of Apple Silicon Macs and what would your options be, right? Like, 
what are my buying options? Is it literally just MacBook Air? It comes as is next. MacBook Pro comes as is next, right? Mm -hmm. And um, to a certain extent, that's true. But there are we do have some options. Um, if you're buying a MacBook Air or a MacBook Pro, you or a Mac Mini, you have a few choices. You have storage. Um, you have RAM. Well, although only memory. eight and sixteen, the unified memory. Yes, well, so it's interesting. You go to the product pages, and they have two configurations for each of them. And it's this was confusing to me when I was going to the product pages. It was like, I was not expecting this. Uh, and you kind of dig through them a bit. And for the MacBook Pro and the Mac Mini, they are basically standard configurations. They have different uh, unified memory and um, storage between them. But the MacBook Air, the cheaper one, has a seven-core GPU. It's the only machine in the lineup today that has that. Um, if you remember when we spoke about the A12Z processor, which gained an uh -huh. extra core over the X in the 2020 right. iPad Pro, I learned, along with many of our listeners, sure, about a thing called binning, which is where as chips are made, some are better and some are worse based on how good the chips are made. And it's like a yield thing. Uh, you can get rid of them or you can use them in different ways. And what it seems like is being done here is that the good but less good chips that have seven GPU cores that they can say, yes, these are great. Apple are using those in the very base model of the MacBook Air. Everything else has eight cores in the GPU. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's literally like, well, we got to put these ones that didn't pass the test somewhere. We'll put mm -hmm. them in the low end MacBook Air, <laughs> which is not? fine. Why not? Well, not, spoilers. I think um, plenty of people will look at that and think, I do not care. Honestly, the difference in uh, GPU and graphics performance between the 2018 Mac, uh, iPad Pro and the 2020 iPad Pro is so little <laughs> as to, I think, make you feel okay if you want to buy the low-end MacBook Air. Like, yeah, you know. it's only, Oh, it's only got seven instead of eight GPU cores. It's fine. And again, depending on what fine. you're coming from, which is like if it's any MacBook Air <laughs> uh, yeah. in the past, this thing just creams it. Any. So... It's not going to be a, an issue. Um, you know, I think that from the configuration, this isn't the minimum I expected. It's kind of in the middle. Like the, the minimum level that I expected was these are your two options. Choose one, right? Yeah. Which I could have seen. Or it was, hey, choose your storage, which would have been the iPhone, iPad model. Right. But there is a you do get a couple of options uh, in these M1 chips, and I expect in the future there will be many more I, options. Available. I expect so. Now, to be clear, as far as we can tell, though, like the memory is what it is. This is not a computer. This is not a. You know, most there there are very few Macs left where you can install more memory yourself. Oh, I checked this on the website. If you if you um in the configurator, there's a little I button. If you press it, it's like you cannot change the memory on this. If you nope. think you might want more, get more. So yep. effectively paraphrasing yeah. what it, what it no, says. This is, this is the world that at least we are in right now with these Macs, which is you can have eight or 16. That's all you can have. Those are your choices. And once you've made it, that's it. These are closed it's an machines. integrated system. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, mm -hmm. We don't think about the fact that, you know, oh, I would love to put more RAM in my iPhone. You can't do that. You know, there, there will be pros and <laughs> right. cons of moving to Apple-made chips, and this is going to be one of those things. Like, I mean, outside of maybe a, a Apple Silicon Mac Pro, 
maybe an iMac, maybe. But like, especially in the laptops, you're not going to be able to get in there and right. change anything around. Like this, yep. th- this is how they're going to be. Yeah, I would say even if we end up in a situation where you can choose eight, sixteen, you know, thirty-two, sixty-four, um, I would not be surprised if it's literally the same as it is right here. Which yeah. is congratulations, you, that's the choice you made. <laughs> you, you're buying, you're literally buying a package that's got an amount of memory in it, mm-hmm. and that's it. That's not a thing that I know that on the way they used to make computers, you could change that, but not the way we make computers now, right? Like, I think that's where they're headed. Uh, storage is a little bit different and there's more variation in storage. You can go like on the MacBook Air and the and the MacBook Pro, you know, you can go up to a terabyte or two terabytes. Like, you can do all of that, but the, the memory thing is a very limited selection. In fact, to be honest, I'm a little surprised and kind of impressed that they even give you the option. Mm-hmm. I was kind of assuming the MacBook Air would just be like, no, eight, <laughs> that's it. You want you want sixteen? Get the MacBook Pro. But they, those options are there, um, but they're very limited. This is um, so. I guess it's in between. We we had mused about the idea of it, will Apple just have these very segmented models, and each model has its own set of specs, and that's it. And, and it's not quite that, but it's very close to that. And also notice these are new computers that have no clock speeds attributed to them. Oh, in any way. That. Right? Nope. It's just all M1. That. It's all M1. Yeah. Because there's it's no M1. comparisons to be made, so why would they give you them? And in fact, we're going to get into the MacBook Pro here in a second, but when we talk about the, um, and the Air, but like, one of the things that Apple talked about was the cooling system. So the MacBook mm-hmm. Air has no fan. Yep. It's still got vents. It's got all the, like, again, you can't tell it apart if you just look at it, but there's no fan in there anymore. They used to and be the MacBook, one, if you didn't know that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. And if you... If you worked your MacBook Air hard, you would hear it blowing, right? The MacBook Pro still has a fan. And what Apple said in the event, um, if you missed it, is that you get the impression that they both have exactly the same performance, the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro, um, because they're both using the M1. The difference is in cooling. So for like a quick spike in performance, doing something that requires a big processor uh, burst for a short period of time, they'll both perform the same. However, if you're, let's say, encoding video, some doing some other job that is going to have a huge amount of performance required for a very long period of time, 20 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever, the MacBook Air is going to have to throttle itself yes. because yes. it doesn't have a fan. It's going to have to it's going to have to slow everything down to stay cool. And the MacBook Pro, because it's got a fan, won't. And that's and so it's the, it's a case where the MacBook Pro, for certain kinds of tasks, is going to be faster, but it's not really about clock speed, as we normally discover when we talk about chips. Right? It's it's about thermal throttling. And um, if you remember the first uh, wave of Touch Bar MacBook Pros back in the day, there was this whole thing about how they they seem to be slower than expected because of thermal throttling. And like this has been an issue in computers for a while now, but I think this is a fascinating example where the Pro and the Air have the same chip. It's the same chip, unless you get the the binned one with the seven GPUs. But like if you get the eight GPU model, it's literally the same. The difference in performance is entirely attributable to the thermal envelope, to the fact that the, the air is going to have to cool itself down by uh, slowing down, whereas the Pro won't because it'll just blow that fan. So to dig into the computers a little more, I'll, I'll give some highlights and we can 
talk about them. So the MacBook Air is uh, 3.5 times faster than the machine that it's replacing with five times graphic performance. 15 hours web browsing battery life. <laughs> uh, they called out two times longer for video conferencing, which was a good statistic, uh, but I will follow it yeah. up with a less good statistic for video conferencing. Uh, improved image signal processor for better video, but no new camera. These machines do not have perform- uh, improvements to the actual cameras. They're not going up to, I think, not even going up to 1080 cameras. Um, but Apple are saying that there are improvements there. There's still 720p cameras. Also, my understanding is that that's a WebEx uh, video conferencing test. So it's still out there. We can all test it out with Zoom and mm-hmm. see how that goes. But um, but yeah, the, the webcam didn't change. They they are using an ISP, which they've been talking about for a while now. That um, you know, if you use the iPhone esque image signal processor, you can make the lousy webcam look better. Still lousy webcam though, and mm-hmm. that's disappointing. That, but again, I think, I think there was probably no way for them to do it without changing the shell, right? And they didn't change the shell. These are the same laptop shells as they were before, and I think maybe that's the reason why. Um, because surely Apple is well aware that that webcam isn't very good, <laughs> and I would imagine that a new generation of laptop would probably have a better webcam in them, but these aren't that, and they don't. So that's that's disappointing, but the uh, bat the but the battery the battery. Right. I mean, this was one of your bat your uh, draft picks, and it's right on. Like we we've been saying, whoa, what will an ARM Mac look like, and what will the battery life look like? And here we've got it right, which is we're talking about like in many cases two, three, four times faster, and they're quoting battery life that in some cases is is twice as long as it was before, or it's or or ha- half again as long. Like these are. These are claims, you said a lot of battery life improvement, like with sort of your draft pick. We left it as just like, suffice it to say, it'll be big. I think what we said is, we'll know it when we see it. And it's like, yeah. yeah. And, and and I had that moment where they were talking, I was like, oh, battery life, they haven't really. And then it's like, well, oh, okay, yep, that's it. That's substantial, substantial battery life improvements for sure. Because as I think we've been talking about for so long, especially when it comes to battery life, it's like, do not do this. Like, if you cannot achieve these kinds of numbers, You're like this is the thing, this is what people care about, right? You know, most most users, I think even sometimes me to a point, there isn't so much that I care about with my GPU performance, right? What in my laptop? What I want yeah. is the most battery I can get. That's yeah. what I want, and that is what they have done with these machines. It seems. I do wonder. If uh, at some point, you know, because they didn't, they didn't announce much to much to a certain co-host of yours, uh, sadness, a, a low power mode in Mac mm-hmm. OS. But I would not be surprised if we get there. And this is sort of like how Marco Arment runs that app that that changes the the chip profile <laughs> so that he can eke out as much battery life as possible on his MacBook Pro. I, I feel like once you've got Macs with four efficiency cores and, and four performance cores, you are a software update away from letting the user say, please just maximize battery life at the, at, at the cost of performance. Right. The system controller is going to try to do that, but I could also see that, you know, with this hardware, you could definitely make that a user option. To it's just, just say, like, please, please, please. Never turn on the high performance course. Just yeah, don't. I want this to yeah. run like last year's MacBook Air, please. <laughs> right? Like, I just want, because I, but I want it to last for 24 hours because... I mean, that's what, you know, that's a good point, right? Just, look, 
I, I loved my MacBook Air. It was great. Let me run this thing for a week. <laughs> right? Yeah. right. Well, because the computer, the, like the system controller is going to know, oh, you're doing a big job. You're doing an Xcode compile yeah. or whatever. We're going we're gonna to ramp up. The system controller doesn't know you just got on an airplane yeah. and are going across an ocean. And well, you might have, and you might have charge, but in some cases you don't have charge or the ability to charge. Mm-hmm. You're somewhere where you don't have the ability to charge. You know that, so you could be able to do it. I, I just, it's an interesting direction. The Mac has never had something like this before, right? Yeah. These, these two banks of cores. So there's a lot of interesting stuff that could well, potentially happen. I bet they're working on a feature to, like that, but they didn't need it to be today because sure. they've done such incredible gains in the battery. Like, don't, don't blow it all at once. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And they, they did have to get an entire operating system running on a new chip ar- yep. architecture this summer. So, yeah. P3 color display has come to the MacBook Air, so you'll right. get a better display. Nice. Uh, gray, silver, gold. Sorry, Jason. No green or blue. Boring. Boring. Where's the blue MacBook Air? Next time, Not maybe. Yet. Next maybe. Time. $999. Uh, yeah. You can order it today. Shipping next week. Yep. Pretty good. Pretty good. They did the... Uh, make them all look the same and cost the same with a couple quirks here and there. Mm-hmm. But I think, remember, the 999 thing is what kept the old MacBook Air around for so long because they couldn't do a Retina MacBook Air for 999. Nope. They couldn't do it. And they finally have gotten it there and they weren't going to abandon that price point because that's that's why it's the best-selling Mac that they make. <laughs> it's because it's 999. So they hit it and good for them. They They need to hold that down at 9.99 so i was very intrigued i was like oh yes i like the sound of this machine but then i got to see a macbook pro and i was like aha <laughs> i want yeah. you more uh 2.8 times faster doesn't get the same kind of gains because the macbook pro the 13th MacBook pro is obviously more powerful but it's still good gains three times faster basically five times faster graphics but this is where again we've got we've got an interesting this is interesting i don't know why it is this way but i guess it's just a bigger battery 17 hours web mm. browsing batteries, the 10 hour increase in battery life. This is the one that doubled. So like you can see it on Apple's um, compare your Mac thing. You've gone from typical 10 hour battery life to typical 20 hour battery life. Yeah. From yeah. The, best, the revision. best Mac battery life ever. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Right. Mm-hmm. And little, again, this is a heavier, larger laptop. It's not, it's still only a three pound laptop, but compared to the MacBook air, it's the heavy laptop. Yep. But uh that that weight, it's a lot of battery. A lot of battery in there. And this one's twelve ninety nine. Uh yep. this machine, like you know, MacBook Pros, they're great, right? They're nice and powerful. Uh people like the thirteen, like the sixteen. Um people really like that new thirteen, right? When we thought we were gonna get fourteen or whatever, but the thirteen came out, people yep. really liked it. Nice and powerful. Uh, improved uh-huh. on the previous generation. This machine is going to make a lot of people really, really happy. Yeah. So, conspiracy corner here. Oh, yes, please. First off, it is replacing the low-end two-port 13-inch MacBook Pro. Yep. That's the where it slots in. Remember, there's still the four-port 13-inch and you the You can still buy inch. that. So, yes, and you can. And and again, not a surprise, Apple's going to keep some Intel Macs around for a while because there are going to be some buyers who, who need Intel Macs for their fleet of computers, and they'll keep those around for a mm-hmm. while. And it's fine. They do that all the time. But first off, I will wager that this 13-inch MacBook Pro will be faster than the 16-inch MacBook Pro, the, the high-end MacBook Pro. 
will be yes. slower than the low-end MacBook Pro. Which is fun. This is just to think about. But what a chip transition is that like. That just seems like if it, that wasn't the case, I would be more surprised, I think. Right. Yeah. And then um, Conspiracy Corner really is um, what happens to the rest of these systems because obviously you've got this two-port 13-inch and we talked about how the, the M1 is has the two Thunderbolt controllers. Mm-hmm. So presumably, we talk about the other shoe dropping with like there's got to be an iPad Pro coming. Obviously, there's got to be an M1 something coming next year, maybe, probably, that is going to enable that four-port model on the 13 and the 16. And a little extra bonus conspiracy, this may be where that 14-inch MacBook Pro rumor is. The yeah. the two-port 13 and the four-port 13, which has been, and remember, it was the MacBook Escape before it got the touch bar. The idea that Apple, for a few years now, has had two 13-inch MacBook Pros, which is just dumb and confusing. Well, what if the four-port model running on Apple Silicon is a 14 and not a 13? And then you've got 13, 14, 16 for MacBook Pros, and you have three models, which you already have three models. It's just two of them are the same size screen. So maybe that's what we'll see next year. I could imagine that machine is the best part of a year away. It could be. It could be. Um, we'll we'll see. I mean, who knows what pace they're going to take here? Um, now that well, they've got these years, laptops right? out there, it's yeah, they said, said two, they said two, two years. years again today. They could they could overshoot that. I mean, last time in the Intel transition, they happened. It all happened faster than they mm-hmm. they claimed. Um, but laptops are super important to Apple, so I wouldn't put it past them to roll the rest of the laptops over um, sometime next year. Mm-hmm. But based on what we know about the M1, it does mean presumably another variant chip. And and you know when is that going to be ready, and how are they going to roll that out? Because one of the things that I'm sure is going to hurt a lot of people is 16 gigabytes of RAM maximum in this machine. Exactly. And this this is something that um, is also true of the Mac Mini, which used to go up to 64, right? And But this model only goes up to 16. That's the that's part of the, the missing piece here, right? Is this is the low-end model. Mm-hmm. And even though it's a MacBook Pro, it's the low-end model. It's the two-port, and it's maxing out right now at 16. So presumably an M1X or whatever you want to call it, a variant that has more ports, probably supports more RAM. That's far more likely to go into a higher-end MacBook Pro. That's not what we got today. Those those systems and those slots remain, you know, that's that's a, 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 a test to be taken at another time in 2021. Like, we'll get there. Uh, but until then, it's just it's going to be an object of speculation, obviously. But um, that would seem to make a lot of sense that more RAM, more ports, all of these things are the there's something that you put in a higher end product. And they're starting out with the M1 and the M1 is the base, right? And then they'll presumably start to build a stack of M1 related um, processors in 2021. And when we look at it this way, we look at it as this M1 and we can draw a line between, you know, all the MacBook Airs, the base level MacBook Pro. It makes sense that the Mac Mini would slot into that uh, kind of product offering, even though I don't think any of us were, like me and you, were not expecting a Mac Mini today. 
It just wasn't no. really something I'd thought we would see. Although, on one level, it kind of makes sense because of the the DTK, right? And like the idea of it, it doesn't require anything mm-hmm. like obviously because the mac mini they already did this with an ipad chip so why don't they do it with the with the the new m1 and stick it in there it wasn't rumored um but you know it it makes it makes sense it makes a lot of sense now that we know what we know about the m1 chip especially right where it's like oh, okay right like right. i see why you would do this but uh, it does it does take a step back like okay, so the Mac Mini is a weird one, right? Because the price went down, the base mm-hmm. price went down to six ninety nine, and if you remember, the Mac Mini originated as a four ninety nine Mac, and then the next year it went up to five ninety nine, um, and got Intel, but six ninety nine is down from the seven ninety nine that the old model started at. So that that's good. I really like that the Mac Mini is a little bit cheaper, um, but as has been pointed out by a bunch of people, our friend Christina Warren did it, you know. Where does this thing go? Like, if you're a high-end person using a Mac Mini and you want to have it in a, you know, wherever you're going to use it, you want to load it up with RAM and all of that. Like, it you can't load it up with RAM. It is a 16 gig RAM Max system. Uh, it's faster than the old Mac Mini. There's no doubt about it. But it's also got this RAM limitation. So it's sort of a low-end Mac Mini that is faster, but it's also kind of limited in that way. I have to imagine that there will be a new Mac mini at some point in the next couple of years. In fact, I think now that Apple's making the chips, maybe it's easier for Apple to update the Mac mini. <laughs> but, um, and so maybe it'll happen more often, but, um, but yes, if you're somebody who like uses the Mac mini in a very particular way where you want a lot of Ram in it, this one's not going to do it for you. There are also a lot of people who don't use the Mac mini that way and use it in all sorts of other contexts where this is going to be just fine. Plus it's a hundred dollars less to get started, which was one of the big criticisms of the old Mac mini. So I think it's like Apple give and Apple take away happening here, but um, I love the Mac mini and I am uh, kind of thrilled that they have these uh, on day one for Apple Silicon. I also have to wonder if maybe this is what everybody who every developer who got an Apple Silicon uh, test system is going to get as a replacement for that, oh, right? Yeah. Like, can they can they turn theirs in and get this back or something like that? We'll see. Uh, this is three times faster in performance, six times faster yeah. in graphics, and is a hundred dollars less than the machine it replaces. Six ninety nine. Yeah. Our um another comment from Twitter that I liked, uh, Steve Trotton Smith, um, who seemed thrilled about this because he said, you know, with bumped RAM and a terabyte of SSD. Um, it, he's he can pay about half of what he needed before to price up a competitive model to replace his iMac. Um, he says 16 gigs of RAM is a bummer, but with the increased I/O, I'm not worried. Apple should have performance per dollar charts. So, like, he, I mean, what he said is the the power of the M1 in affordable Macs cannot be <laughs> emphasized enough, and I think he's right about that. So it's it's in the eye of the beholder, but I think there's a lot of things to be excited about about that Mac Mini, while understanding that for some people they're they're gonna look at its limitations and be sad because they there are people who spec up the Mac Mini an awful lot, and there's only so high up you can spec this first Apple Silicon Mac Mini. Yeah, and here's my thinking on that: patience. You, you don't have to. I mean, I know. Look, we all want one, right? Spec. We all want one because we want to see what this thing is like. Um, 
we just don't have that option yet. I believe it will come. And the reason I believe it will come is because you can still buy the old one, right? Uh, that's there yeah. for a reason. Apple clearly knows people want more from these machines. So they will continue to allow you to get them until they have a bigger offering. And the reason that I feel confident in this is you can't buy an Intel uh, MacBook Air because the right. MacBook Air has been fully replaced, right? The capability right, is but You can buy an Intel MacBook Pro and you can buy an Intel Mac Mini. So this is, I think, a very clear signal that Apple are like, mm -hmm. look, we know that there will be some of our customers who need more than what the M1 can provide from an expansion perspective, right? From like from what the RAM can do, that kind of stuff, or from how many ports you might want to have on the machine. Uh, just wait, right, for that. But for everybody else, you're going to get a lot out of these machines. So that is why these various Intel models remain available. Um, but yeah, the Mac Mini was the biggest surprise for me. Uh, I was expecting MacBook Pro. I was expecting a consumer laptop, whether it was the MacBook or the MacBook Air. I wasn't expecting the Mac Mini. It just, it just you know, I just, I just thought this was going to be a laptop event. Um, I, I wasn't expecting to see anything other than these, right? Like, and I'm not surprised that we didn't see the iMac, for example, because I think, as oh, yeah. I probably you would agree with me, the iMac will most likely to be the first new Mac. I think the smaller iMac that has been untouched for years and is sad is um, crying out for a rethink. And I would be, I, I would probably put money down <laughs> that early next year, first half of next year, the that that smaller iMac anyway is going to get uh, an M M series treatment and not look like the old iMac, but we'll see. And it'll be interesting to see if it's M one in that one first, right? I mean, that's that's the question, right? right. Is is uh, are we going to see the next wave be M one variants with more ports and stuff, or are we going to see more M one based machines, or both? Maybe, maybe both. It, who knows? We've never seen Apple roll out a Mac product line with their own chips before. This is our first time. And they've got lots of choices to make that they made, obviously, years ago. But now we get to see what those choices are. So it's going to be very interesting to watch uh, the next couple of years as this rolls out. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Smile. If you are searching for a powerful PDF editing tool for your Mac, your iPad, your iPhone, look no further than PDF Pen. Whether you're on the road, or you're at your desk, you need advanced editing features, or just want to sign an email back a contract, PDF Pen has you covered. The ultimate tool for editing PDFs on the Mac now includes even more powerful features, like page label support in multiple formats for documents, and pro users can go a step further with the ability to add or edit page labels. These features are in addition to the great features available in PDF Pen 12, including a magnifier window to zoom in on a document, customizable compression settings, and stationery with new paper colors for custom page designs. You can even check out the Smile blog for articles on how to take notes using uh, PDF Pen on the iPad and the safety of PDF Pen editors. I am an, just an avid user of PDF Pen. I use PDF Pen 
maybe every day, multiple times a week at least. I've used it to sign three contracts today, I think, two or three contracts today on my Mac. I use it on my iPad. I use it on my iPhone uh, very frequently. Um, and, I, and I like, it's kind of funny really on my iPhone using my finger to sign a contract. But it's all super easy to do. Uh, with PDF Pen. Um, I'm a massive fan of this application. It really is an indispensable tool for me. PDF Pen, PDF Pen Pro, and PDF Pen for iPad and iPhone all work together for seamless editing across devices when used with Dropbox or iCloud. I use iCloud syncing and it's fantastic. Learn more about PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro at smilesoftware.com slash podcast. That is smilesoftware.com slash podcast. Our thanks to PDF Pen from Smile for their support of this show and Relay FM. Just as like an overall thought of this event, um, I was the most excited for this event that I have been for any of the events this year um, of the three that we've had. So the September, October, November events. And overall, I have left this event feeling the most excited. I was excited about the products that they showed off. I'm excited about what we have now. And I'm very excited for the potential of these products in a way that the other events, not that they've left me lacking, but that there's less to grow immediately obvious to me than what I mm -hmm. see in the Apple Silicon Mac chips. So I don't know how you feel, but that's kind of where I am with uh, this event today. Well, yeah, this in terms of the three fall events, what we got is a lot of incremental improvement, right? It's the latest Apple Watch. It's a little better than the last one. The latest iPad Air, it's better than the last one, a little more like an iPad Pro. The latest iPhone models, they're better than the last one. I think the most interesting things about that are there's now a little one, and that's mm -hmm. very exciting, um, but it's still just an incremental iPhone update. And then on the Mac side, it's these Macs that look like their previous versions and therefore shouldn't be exciting. And from a design standpoint, it's not exciting at all, but it's an entirely new platform. And uh, these Macs are going to behave like no Macs before them. And these huge speed benefits and huge battery benefits and uh, a whole chip transition that's happening. And it's the start of a two year process where every Mac is going to get turned over. Like I just, it is, to me as well, the most exciting thing that Apple has done all fall. This is the story of 2020 for Apple, I think, is announced a chip transition and started to make it happen. Like, those are the big moments for Apple. Remember, in the spring, you know, we got the iPad Pro that wasn't really new. And, like, this is the big one. I think this is the, the number one event of 2020 for Apple, other than, you know, the global event of dealing with the pandemic and how do you do yeah. that. But in terms of, like, their product releases and their strategies and all of that... I think it would be hard to look at this and not say this was their big move is going to their own chips and shipping a new version of Mac OS that supports the new chip design and and uh, starting the migration. You've got to imagine that there is, as, as well for Apple themselves, like a, a feeling of monumental achievement here, right? Like a history thing, you know? Like, you know, we, we are the Mac company. That's where we've come from. Um, and then we've had these great successes with these products that we've made that we have controlled the whole thing on, even more than we've ever controlled products in the past. And now they're able to take those successes and bring them back to the Mac and take the Mac further by fully owning it. And I imagine that that makes this 
similarly, when you say it's a big event for Apple, I'm sure for many of the people that have worked on this stuff, it is important. And I think as an observer and as a fan, one of the things that I am so excited about for this is because show me what you can do. You know, and, and that excites me because even step one, what we have seen today, is a, is a, I'm blown away by it. I think it's amazing. I, I wasn't expecting the sheer results that they have shown today. You know, like the doubling, tripling uh, of performance and doubling battery life. I didn't think we'd get both of those. You know, I hmm. thought there was going to be a little bit more uh, tuning of that, right? Like, hey, this is faster and gets more battery. I, I didn't think it was going to be like, you want all of it again? We'll just give you it all again. It's like you have two computers now, right? Like, it's it really is. Like, I I was very I'm very excited about it. I, I really really am. I think they they blew me away today. Yeah, you say show me what you can do. I think that that is um, a big part of this. Is Apple obviously has a huge amount of pride in the quality of their chip design team. And I have to think that within the chip team, there's probably been a let me add it kind of attitude toward the Mac, looking at what Intel is doing, which is has been not much and thinking like we could do better than them. You know, we are doing better than them. Let us do better than them on the Mac, too. And and, you know, this is their chance to shine. This is their chance to show our way is better. Our Mm -hmm. way is best here. And the Mac is going to be improved because Apple can control that part, which is, you know, such a dramatic change from the Intel transition, where it was very much like the Apple, IBM, Motorola alliance had kind of foundered with PowerPC, and the Apple had to go to Intel for help. Here, it's Apple taking the ball back from Intel and saying, no, no, we make our own chips now, and they're better than your chips. And that's a huge, it's a huge thing, because in the long run... In the short run, it's battery life and performance and all of those things that we talk about about computers. Um, but in the long run, it's also Apple controlling all of the pieces and able to plan what it wants its computers to be based on Apple's priorities and not based on Intel's priorities. And you saw them straining with something like the T2 where they're like, can we just put our own chip in there to do a bunch of this stupid stuff instead of relying on anyone else? And then, uh, And now they've got the whole thing but if you think about what they when they talk about ipad product strategy or iphone product strategy and they talk about how they build the neural engine and they build the image signal processor for for the photography in the iphone like they're able to on their um on their charts of like where are we going with this product and what do we need in terms of software and hardware and processor functionality they're able to plan it out and take the product where they want it to go and the Mac, they couldn't because in the end, they had to get a part from Intel. And probably Intel told them it would be available on X date and it turned out to be later, like yeah. always later. And that's gone. Like they know when they're available. They know what they want to do. And so the Macs are going to be faster and they're going to have better battery life. But what I think is really exciting is the next step they take, which they didn't take today, which is... um adding things to the Mac that Apple thinks are important and would make a good experience for a computer. And they don't have to worry about anybody else being involved in that. They can just prioritize that themselves. And 
that will probably involve some things that it believes in general are important and that they're pushing on the iPad and the iPhone and the Mac, and probably some things that are specifically for the Mac because, you know, they do have to do some things that are a little different on a Mac than on an iPad or an iPhone. So the whole thing is, yeah, super exciting, very, uh, very important day in the history of the Mac. Very important. Um, But it's also day one of a process that will probably take, you know, five or 600 days to complete. So there's there's more to come. I'm not trying to get soppy, uh, but there's something important to me here that like, this is my first full processor transition. I came to the Mac for Intel. Oh, there you go. And now I get to say goodbye. Mm. And there's something kind of, for me personally, there's something nice in that. Um, like you know, the, my first Mac was the first Intel iMac. That was my first wow. Mac, and I mean that was a long time ago, fifteen years ago or something, there or thereabouts. And there's just something nice now where I can move on to the next transition, and I, you know it makes me. It just feels good. I just I like that. Yeah, yeah, it's coming up 15 years. It'll be 15 years in January, so it's yeah. been a long time now. I was 18 years old. That was a big... Like somebody posted a couple of Macworld covers from that period, and I was like, yep, I remember making those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, here we are again. But this is... Um, and these transitions are exciting, you right? If you're a developer, it can be really frustrating and, and a lot of hard work. But as a user, um, if you need to stay behind you need to stay behind but if you get the chance to step forward and try something new that can be really exciting and you get the benefit like people are going to buy macbook airs for 9.99 not knowing anything about apple silicon right Mm -hmm. that's the uh, funny thing is this this uh winter people are going to buy macbook airs for 9.99 and they're going to get something that is twice as fast as the computer that they had or that they would have bought if they had bought one last month that's pretty cool that's pretty great i would hope that you will uh, have some of these products to review. I hope uh, so. But are there any of them, just on the face of what we've seen today, that you may want to buy? Oh, I already bought one. Oh, you did? <laughs> you see, I did. this, you know why, because, okay, usually, like, so like on Connected, we just start this conversation with what did we buy? And usually it's pointless having this conversation with you because you I tend know. not to buy things. Like you will I try them out. I don't need to out. buy one right now, right? Because yeah. presumably I'm going to get them to try out. So you usually you don't I have to send do them that. back. So and then by then I'll buy one and all of that. This is a surprise I, to me. Well, I mean, I could have waited. <laughs> and I could still cancel it, I suppose. But I decided a little while ago that I needed a MacBook Air. An Apple. Uh, for, so a few things. First off, um, Mac product loans, when they happen, are for a short period of time. You can ho- you can hang on to an iPhone for a while. If you need it and you want to test it and you want to test it against other iPhones and stuff like that, they'll let you hang on to that for a while. They will want it back eventually, but you can hold on to that for a while. iPads, you can hold on to it for a while. Mm-hmm. Macs, you can't. They, they will want them back. And so I know that I want to have an Apple Silicon Mac in my house to write about this stuff. And I'm going to have to give those back after a few weeks, right? So I know I want one. And I know I know I want one this fall. And on top of that, I have um, spent the last month or so in a few cases where I've really wanted to work on something, not at my desk, and 
uh, it's something that only works on a Mac. And I love my iPad and I use my iPad in the rest of the house. And if I were to travel, which I haven't, um, I would use my iPad as much as I could. But um, there is some stuff that I would like to do elsewhere that I can't do on my iPad because the app doesn't exist on the iPad. And uh, made me think, okay, well, now I've got two reasons that I kind of wish I had a MacBook Air. And then the third reason is I think about me going to New York back in the day. Remember, I'd, I'd fly to New York and then we'd do an interview or I'd do an interview with somebody and then we'd put it together and we'd do the show and all those things. And I would have to bring a Mac for that because it was too many, too many pieces to leave it to just an iPad. And I thought, okay, my MacBook Air is so old at this point that I don't think I, I trust it for stuff like that anymore. It's an old 11-inch MacBook Air. So um, for all of these reasons, I thought I should get another MacBook Air. And maybe somebody else in my house, maybe maybe Lauren gets it eventually mm-hmm. um, to replace her MacBook Air because she has a first-generation Retina MacBook Air. But I could I could put it to use, plus I don't want to be writing about the Mac without having an Apple Silicon Mac in my house, right? And, and I, I'll have one, presumably a review unit for a while, right? But not that long. And then what? And then I really need to have one. So these are my, these are my reasonings for doing it. And the reason I chose a MacBook Air is because I want it to be a laptop. It doesn't need to be a MacBook Pro. Um, so yeah, I bought a, I bought a MacBook Air. I bought a uh, seven GPU core, but upgraded to five twelve storage and sixteen gigs of memory. Uh, MacBook Air, and uh, the order is in, so it'll get here in a couple weeks, I guess. I ordered two laptops today. <laughs> you win. You got me. <laughs> so I see your laptop and raise you a laptop. <laughs> raise laptop. Okay, so Adina uh, has been using a and has continued to be using a 2013 MacBook Pro, um, and that thing. If it was a car, its wheels would have fallen off by now. Like at this point, it needs to stay plugged in. She cannot use it on battery because the battery drains so fast. And it was, unfortunately, she was caught in that cycle of having a husband who pays too much attention to computers and telling her, no, no, you don't want this computer right like we've all been there you don't want this macbook <laughs> because the keyboard's bad and you, you and she's used it and hates the keyboard right so it was also her decision as well she didn't want their keyboard and then they finally replaced the keyboard but then it was like ah but i know <laughs> they're gonna do something she's just around the corner right and apple silicon has been just around the corner for unfortunately a little bit too long um so we uh, went with the seven-core GPU model because if you're coming from a, this is what I was talking about earlier. If you're coming from a 2013 MacBook Pro, you do not need the eight-core GPU. Uh, you, you're probably good, and uh, we increased the storage. I think I, I, we did 16 gigabytes of RAM and the 512 gigabyte SSD. That's coming uh, at the end of the month basically. And then I ordered for myself a 13-inch MacBook Pro. Uh, and I went with 16 gigabytes of RAM and a terabyte SSD, and it's coming next week, which is interesting, because even though it was built to order, I think that that is a 
build to order specification that Apple probably assumes it's going to get enough of that when when I it was saying it was going to be two weeks and when I changed it to a terabyte SSD, it changed to 17th to 18th of November to arrive. Uh, And my plan is this machine. Well, okay, I have a little bit of a secret. Over the last few months, I have been doing the vast majority of my work on a Mac. Because in my studio setup, it's just easier for me to work on a Mac. Uh, Because I'm still actually pretty far away from getting the full setup that I want for an iPad workstation. Um, just because I've, you know, part of it is actually the fault of these Macs because I have what I've had this idea in my mind for how I'd have my studio set up, but I was waiting for a Apple Silicon Mac before I could make the setup exactly the way that I want. But now I've been doing it for so long that like when I'm at the studio, I'm using a Mac when I'm working at home. It's as I have been uh, for the last week or so, mostly or if I'm you know, spending a day at home or whatever, I'm using the iPad a lot. And there are certain tasks where, like, for example, preparing for this show, I find it my workflow is much better for doing this on iOS. So I'll take my iPad and we'll use that at the studio. But the vast majority of my work recently has been done on a Mac. And so I've kind of had this feeling of like, well, imagine if I could also get all my favorite iOS apps on a Mac. Mm-hmm. That might be kind of all i need because it's the apps that i love most um right on on ios and ipad os so you know I, basically i feel like now i am more in the jason snell camp than the federico Teacher camp team, team both. both rather than team ipad um but i'm gonna wait and see like there's still a lot there's still a lot of stuff that's gonna change for me work-wise like with work setups and stuff over the next few months uh and I wanted to have a, this machine was always going to become like, this is the machine that I will record from. And eventually, not yet, I'm not, I'm not trusting hmm. the podcast to Big Sur for a while. So I would just be using this machine as like a machine to use. And I'm going to see, but like, basically, I have rediscovered a love for the Mac over the last three or four months. And I'm now very, very intrigued by an Apple Silicon Mac because mm. if it can run all the iOS apps that I want as well, it kind of feels perfect. So I don't know. So I went with uh, the MacBook Pro. So it's really, and, and so I'm very excited about that machine. And uh, I, I kind of like the idea a lot of having this, these more shared experiences between my iPad and my Mac. So when I do, because what I do notice is when I do move between them, I do feel the differences a lot more. And I think from a visual design perspective and from a functionality perspective and from what apps I can use, I think it's actually going to be just a much nicer computing experience for me to be able to what I feel would be more seamlessly move between iPadOS and macOS. So I am really excited. Once you've got everything that you rely on Presumably, and this is something that we're going to have to follow starting next week, which Mm -hmm. is what apps opt out of being, what iOS apps opt out of being on the Mac, Um, because there will be some that'll be very frustrating. Um, But you eliminate what we currently have, which is this schism where um, a bunch of stuff is just not on the Mac. 
and it's on your iPad. And you're like, well, wait a second, I need to go back to my iPad for that. And then now it doesn't feel like home because if the iPad is your home or part of your home and then pieces of that just are not available or are not easily available, it gets frustrating. Um, and so having it be feel like a little bit more of a whole is uh, it's a good thing. I, mm-hmm. I agree. I'm not going to start just carrying around a MacBook Air and using it everywhere. Like, that's not going to happen. But I have... You know, in buying this, I want to have the ability to, especially, you know, for for certain stuff that is not available on the iPad, to be able to do that and to have that flexibility. So I can, you know, the I I don't even know why I'm being oblique about this. I'm using Descript to edit 20 Max for 2020, mm-hmm. and it doesn't work on the iPad. Mm-hmm. And so I really did not want to, on a warm day, we don't have those anymore because the weather has turned now, but we had our late summer warm days and I really didn't want to be sitting in my office. I wanted to be in the backyard, but I needed to edit 20 Max for 2020 and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I did not have a computer that could work with it. And so now I will. And, you know, will I use, does that mean I'll use my Mac more than you know, then I use my MacBook Air, it would be hard for that not to be the case because my poor little MacBook Air never gets used. But um, yeah, so we're both, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting to see where this takes us, right? Like this mm-hmm. is this is the unification of, of so many iOS apps with the Mac is really changing the meaning of what the Mac is. And I've seen a lot of old line kind of uh, Mac fans. And I mean, I'm one of them in a way, but like, bemoan the idea that this stuff is going to come in but i would imagine that there's also going to be a huge audience who like the mac okay and all but now they're, they're going to be able to get their favorite apps on the mac too and that's going to change how they use their mac so we'll see how it goes i'm very excited the next week is going to be a big week <laughs> we got a new iphone on friday uh, and a new mac next tuesday or wednesday yeah so yeah we it's incredibly unlikely that I will even be able to give first impressions of that Mac on the show next week. It's probably going to have to be uh, the week after that, right? Because we'll be uh, releasing our next episode on the 16th on Monday, Uh, which by the way, we give you a reminder uh, on that episode of the show. We will be once again, joined by Tim Millay and Tom Boga from Apple to talk about the M1 uh, from people responsible uh, for it. And so if you do have any questions, get them in fast with the hashtag AskUpgrade. But if you have any questions for us as part of the regular course of the episode, uh, maybe stuff focusing on the new iPhones, um, the HomePod Mini, I don't know when mine is coming, but I I did order one of those as well. Um, Man, I'll tell you, it's been, I'm pleased that I haven't had to pay for any airfare this year. (laughs) Because it's really helped with the very expensive final quarter of this year. Uh, as all of the technology has been released. So that's been nice. At least that's the silver lining, I suppose. Um, so yeah, if you have regular Ask Upgrade questions, you can send those in as well. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Upgrade. I hope that you've enjoyed our coverage of the event. If you would like to get longer episodes of Upgrade with even more wonderful content and without any ads, you can go to getupgradeplus.com and you can sign up. And thank you so much to everybody that supports the show this way. And I would also like to thank our sponsors, that is Smile, Pingdom, and Uni for their continued support of this show. But most of all, thank you for listening. You can find Jason's work at sixcolors.com and he's 
at jsnell, J-S-N-E-L-L. I'm sure Jason will have many words written over the next week, so make sure you keep it locked to six colors. And I am I-Mike, I-M-Y-K-E. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snell. Goodbye, Mike Early. Goodbye.